defined, in a sense, the whole of his ministry around the cross. He had this compulsion, most of all, to preach the message of the cross, a message that would have seemed foolish to many. And yet for Paul, he wanted to preach the message of the cross because he knew the message of the cross was the power to save. Jesus declared the central purpose of his coming as he came to bring the kingdom of God was to come and to die. In his mind, there was the cross, never far away. The Son of Man must suffer and die and rise again, Jesus declared to his confused disciples. And the cross, when you think about it, it's our logo, isn't it? If Nike has the swoosh and McDonald's has the golden arches... We have the cross, and it's the cross that we look at as we come to church. It's on tattoos and necklaces and T-shirts. And it's the cross that is central to the gospel, the good news that we have to share, that we live in, that Jesus died to take away our sin, to defeat evil, to defeat death. And now we live new lives as sons and daughters of God. A great swap has taken place. We carry the hope of heaven now. And as I say that, you might be thinking, well, isn't all this quite obvious? Yes, Ben, I know that Jesus died for my sins. I have been told that before. Uh, That's week three alpha, isn't it? Why did Jesus die? Isn't all this quite obvious? I know this. Is this why I came to church, just to hear that Jesus died for my sins? But you know, don't we so easily forget the cross? Luther said, I preach the cross to myself daily because I forget daily. And the question I want to ask us this morning is, does my life reflect the cross? Does my life look like freedom? Does my life look like grace? Or as I come into church this morning, does it feel like something else? One of the things that happened in the early church as the gospel went out uh, is that they slipped back into the old life, as if the cross hadn't happened. We see this perhaps most clearly in the church in Galatia. Paul had planted this church in modern-day Turkey. He'd, he'd explained, talked, preached the message of the cross. People had come to faith. And then these false teachers came into the church, and they were saying, no, no, there's more that you need to do to be right with God. And Paul gets really angry about this. He gets really passionate. And in um, Galatians 1.6, he says this, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace. Are you living in grace this morning, the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel? He goes on later in the letter. He says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Does your life look like freedom? So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Does my life look like freedom? Does my life look like grace? Or am I walking around perhaps full of shame and guilt? Am I walking around with a a need to prove myself in some way? A feeling like I don't quite measure up? A feeling like I've failed? Am I walking around looking like I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders? 
when Jesus might say, why don't you stop carrying that around? Because I've already carried it on the cross. Does my life look like being a free son and daughter of God, or does it feel more like being a slave, burdened and overwhelmed? John Stott, the great uh, theologian, author, pastor, uh, said this, it's hard to exaggerate the magnitude of the changes that have taken place as a result of the cross. Truly, when Christ died and was raised from death, the new day dawned and a new age began. And I want to ask this morning, are you living in the new age? Does your life reflect the cross? Or perhaps like those Galatians, have you slipped back into something else that we're not meant to carry? And so the invitation is to receive God's grace afresh this morning. And to to take a moment to just think about that, I want to think about why we need rescuing in the first place. And it takes us to the reality of sin. Uh, Now, sin is the kind of word that's changed meaning almost in our culture. It's almost become like a good word, uh, synonymous with naughty but nice. One ice cream flavor had the catchphrase, uh, it's so good, it's sinful. Uh, And we can kind of live in a culture where we're even wondering, does sin even exist? Isn't it like some archaic old concept that uh, the medieval church made up to make us feel guilty or rubbish about life? But that's not the way that sin is portrayed in the Bible. The Bible says that sin is real and it makes life possible. Uh, makes life miserable, sorry. <laughs> you might find it helpful to um, think of it like this. I wonder if you've ever been blown away by a beautiful act from another human being. Okay, an act of self-sacrifice, maybe even just a small act of kindness. Sometimes if I'm working uh, late, my wife will bring up a cup of tea and a piece of toast. It's just a, an act of kindness that makes all the difference. Or, or maybe it's some great uh, act that has shaped civilization in some way, in the arts or in music, a scientific discovery. The point is that humans are made in the image of God and we're capable of great good. And that's important to say, to ground ourselves in who we are. But there's also another side of the coin. We're also capable of the bad stuff. And we only have to look at the news at the moment to see there are some terrible things going on in our world. We think of the unimaginable suffering in Israel-Palestine or the suffering of refugees in the Mediterranean because of the greed and war or corruption in their home countries. We hear stories of sexual abuse from celebrities, the never-ending war in Ukraine. And it's a bit more complex than just saying, well, maybe there's some bad people out there and maybe there's some good people. Uh, a while ago, I was listening to a radio program and they were talking about the Argentinian football legend Diego Maradona as a film about him had just come out. And the way that they portrayed him was as a flawed genius. He was a genius in the way that he played football. And yet he also made some big mistakes. During his glittering career, he uh, had a number of affairs. Uh, He had uh, children uh, outside of that marriage. He uh, had addiction issues. He was a complex human being. 
And it strikes me that the same is true actually of me. Sadly that I'm not that I'm a genius football player, but that actually life is a real mixed bag. There are things that I'm proud of and there are things that I'm ashamed of. Imagine for a moment a cinema showing and all your friends and family are invited. Everyone you know is invited. Everyone piles into the cinema. You don't know what the film is until it begins. And then it begins and you realize it's a film of your life. It's everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. I wonder how you might feel. I know for me, I would be so embarrassed. I'd be out of that place in no time. What a horrible thing. There are parts of my life that I'm proud of. There are parts that I'm ashamed of. And that stuff that makes our stomach turn when we think about it is what the Bible calls sin. One pastor described it as the human tendency to bugger things up. And I think that's quite helpful. And as we look through human history, we do seem to have this tendency as human beings, whether that's in the micro level, in relationships, uh, or on the macro level, in the goings-on of nations. Luther described sin as man curved in on himself. It's essentially when we love ourselves rather than loving God and loving others, which is what we were made for. And Paul says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned, And fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. But we don't like to admit it, do we? Uh, I discovered recently some things that people have written on their accident claim forms when they were trying to explain to their insurance company why they had a car accident. And uh, here we go. One man wrote this. Going home, I drove into the wrong house and collided with a tree that wasn't there. Another man wrote, the other car collided with mine without giving warning of his intention. Another person wrote this, this guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Someone else wrote, I've been driving my car for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. Someone else wrote, the pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran him over. And finally... I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. None of us want to admit it, but Paul says we're all in the same boat. All have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that sin is real, and it makes life miserable. And there are different things that mark this old life without the cross, And um, I just want to ask, are we carrying any of these this morning? And do we need to lay them down? And one of the things that marks life without the cross is guilt and shame. Living in guilt and shame. Guilt is when we feel bad about what we do. And shame is when we feel bad about who we are. And we have an enemy who wants us to keep, keep us in this place of shame and guilt, and we'll whisper in our ear that the thing that we've done is one step too bad. God could never forgive us for that thing. And then another mark of life without the cross is the need to earn. 
Without the cross, there's no grace. And so we have to earn our way to God, which is just exhausting and impossible. And this is what's so dangerous about what the Galatians were doing. Paul writes elsewhere in Galatians in chapter 5, he says, I, Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ, and you've fallen away from grace. When we look to earn our worth, our value, our identity, we fall away from grace. We fall away from the message of the cross. And I wonder if that sounds familiar to you at all. Do you feel a pressure to perform as a parent in your workplace, presenting a certain version of ourselves? That is a mark of life without the cross. And then there's destructive habits that we can get stuck in. Jesus said, whoever sins is a slave to sin. And it's like these patterns of behavior that we just can't get free from. Uh, here's a trivial example. Uh, I once shared a, a house with a lovely Irish guy called Bren. Life and soul of the party. Really enjoyed living with him for a year. Um, but he was partial to a crisp. Now, who isn't? Um, but one evening, I remember, I left uh, a packet of Pringles on the side of the kitchen. Just had a couple uh, myself. This was in the days where you kind of had your own stuff. And uh, he came back late one night and obviously had the munchies and uh, polished off the whole packet of Pringles. And the next morning, I came down to find it empty. And he was so apologetic. He said, sorry, I'll get you some more Pringles. I just couldn't help myself. Now, obviously, that's just a trivial example. But there are behaviors that we know aren't good for us, but we just can't seem to shake. Behaviors that destroy life for us or for others. It could be an addiction that we have, or it could be a characteristic we can't shake, like a bad temper, like anger. It's the sort of thing that we do, and then we think the next morning, why did I do that? How did I mess up in that way yet again? There's distractive habits that we get caught in. And then there's a penalty as well that we face in this predicament of sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. And so without the cross, we face the reality of death. We have no ultimate hope. And then the final mark is separation from God today. We're, we're separated from God for he is light and he is holy. And in our sin, we can't come into that space. We can't know the presence of God in our lives. But friends, the cross changes everything cross changes everything. And when Jesus died and rose again, he took our guilt and shame upon himself. And we're totally forgiven and free. It's completely gone. When we stand here this morning because of the cross, when God looks at you, he sees you as perfect. Do you believe that? He sees you as perfect. And you might think, what about that thing I did on Tuesday? Or what about that big sin I did years ago? And the Lord would say, no, I don't, 
remember those at all. The Bible says he remembers our sin no more because of the cross. He sees you as perfect. And because of the cross, the need to earn has gone. We stand in Christ's righteousness. We are perfectly enough just as we are. We have nothing to prove. And that was what Paul wanted to get across to the Galatians. Because of the cross, the power of sin has been broken in our lives. And we have power to live in a new way as the Holy Spirit comes and puts new patterns of life uh, and behavior within us, changes our hearts to live differently. The power of sin is broken. The penalty of sin has been paid. Jesus dies in our place. A great substitution has taken place. And then the separation has gone, and we can come into intimacy with the Father. And so now our lives are defined by freedom and by grace. That's what life should feel like because of the cross. Does your life reflect the cross? A little while ago, we took a, a family trip to uh, Whitstable. It was about this time last year, actually. And um, it was like a Saturday. We just went for a day trip. And we, uh, we winded our way out of London. We finally got out of London, got on the motorway. And um, as we were driving into the town, our eldest daughter, Tilly, uh, starts to say she feels ill and she thinks she's going to be sick. And so very quickly, we looked to turn off the road that we were on as we were coming into the town to park. And um, unfortunately, we weren't quick enough in doing that. And she projectile vomits everywhere, like a number of times. It's really messy. And she has sick all over herself, all over the car seat, uh, in the nooks and crannies in the car seat. Uh, and the, the smell started to come up. It was disgusting. She starts to cry. We'd, we'd park. She starts to cry. And so you go around, and uh, I went to see how she was, and she was absolutely covered in it. And she's crying, and she wants comforting. And uh, I was thinking in that moment, what do I do? What do I do as a parent? Because I had my nice new jacket on, and uh, I did not want the jacket to get messy. Uh, this was my you know, favorite jacket on a day out. What did I do? But I did, of course, what any parent did, and I picked her up in my arms, and I hugged her, and the sick seeped onto my top. And then I wiped her up, and I cleaned her up, and we put new clothes on her, and uh, we went and had a great day. We might have maybe been a little bit kind of more easy on the fish and chips and ice cream uh, because of that incident, but we went and had a great day. But you know, on the cross, Jesus sees us in our mess, in the mess of our sin, and he chooses to come close. And he takes it upon himself. And it doesn't just smell a little bit, but it kills him. And he's separated from his father. And then he rises again. And he does that so that we might be wiped up and cleaned up. And that we might be able to live a whole new life. What amazing love is shown on the cross. Paul says, Jesus loved me and gave his life 
for me. It was a personal thing for each one of us. If you'd been the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. It's a symbol of embrace. It's a symbol of love. And as we think about what's going on in our world at the moment and the unimaginable suffering in Israel and Palestine, we wonder, God, what are you doing? And the cross tells us that God is with us. He's the God that suffers with us. He's alongside us. He knows what it is to suffer. And he takes our Good Friday. He takes the pain and he takes the suffering and he turns it into Easter Day. And he says there's a promise that one day this world will be made new and there'll be no more mourning or death or crying or pain because the old order has come. One day there'll be peace in Israel-Palestine because of the cross. God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us so we might become the righteousness of God. So friends, as we come into land. What are you carrying today that you need to lay down at the cross? Does your life look like freedom? Does your life look like grace? It can be received today freely. It's the free gift of God. It's the heart of our gospel. It's the heart of our good news for people of the cross. Amen. Shall we stand? Let's stand together.